All right, we're starting a new series today. It's always fun to start a new series. Not that the last series wasn't fun. We loved doing the Multiply Vision because really we feel that's what God has called us to do here at Connect is multiply disciples, multiply leaders, and then eventually multiply churches. And we saw that when we went and we looked at the, the Jesus when he called the original disciples and he wanted them to get in the boat with him to be fishers of men. We're going to touch on that here a little bit again this morning because we're going to focus on Peter. But that was a great series that we just got done going through. And so to follow that series, what we wanted to do really is just take a look at some of the men and women that were with Jesus way back in the day, basically the disciples. And so we're going to focus on five Uh, different disciples. We might even do Priscilla and Aquila, who was a married couple. We haven't quite figured that one out yet, but we're going to focus on several of the disciples in the next few weeks. Peter being today, we're going to talk about John next week. Uh, Mary of Magdala is going to be in three weeks, and then after that, there's a couple other uh, disciples that we want to focus on. But that's kind of where we're headed over the next few weeks, and it's really interesting uh, to me on how Jesus challenged those early disciples. And and really, when we take a look at how he discipled, it gives us insight into a couple different things. First of all, how he disciples us individually, and then also how we can use that and disciple others that are around us. And that's kind of what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at these disciples from two different perspectives. One perspective being how can... I let Jesus disciple me in my life. And then the second perspective is as we go out and make disciples, how can we employ the same principles that Jesus uses to work in other people's lives as well? And like I said, today we're going to take a look at Peter. We're going to see that Jesus helped him be just an ordinary fisherman into becoming a world changer. And we're going to see three aspects of what Jesus did to speak into Peter's life to basically change him from just a regular fisherman to being a world changer. And it's interesting to me, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it's interesting to me that of all the places in the world that God chose to send Jesus and that Jesus chose to build the beginning part of what would be called the church later on, that he chose this little fishing village, right? Instead of maybe picking Rome, I mean, if it was me and I wanted to get some people to be world changers, I would look at business leaders, I would look at the religious leaders of the time, and I would even look at the academics and the professors at the time and say, you know what, I want this group of 12 people to be world changers. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went to a small fishing village and he chose a bunch of fishermen and some tax collectors, and some other people at the time. And what he did is he cast vision into their lives. And they ended up embracing that vision and becoming world changers. Now I remember uh, early in my Air Force career, and I'm going back quite a few years now, and Bill Shirley's here today, and, and Bill, you probably remember way back, way back in the day, But I'm going back like 30 years, and I was a young airman. I was probably in the Air Force maybe two years at the time. 
and uh, didn't really have a whole lot of direction, didn't know exactly what I was going to do with my life. Basically, Gene and I came into the Air Force just to kind of start a family, get a career going, not really going to make the Air Force a career. So I was a little disillusioned. I was a little just not really knowing what was going on. Well, this one particular summer, Gene went home on vacation, and she brought our daughter Julie with her. And so here I'm in Montana alone uh, for like a month or something like that. And so um, I have a a dispatch. I'm a team chief of this team, and I have a dispatch on this one particular Saturday. And uh, that Friday night, I got invited to a party. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. I'll go to this party. It was a bunch of people from work were going to be there and stuff. So we all went to this party. And I'm like, well, I'll just go for a little while and then uh, go home, get some rest because I have to get up early. Had to be to work by five. And so I'm like, yeah, that'll work out great. Well, I get to the party and one thing leads to another. The next thing I know is I'm waking up on the couch at about 530. Well, guess what? I was supposed to be to work a half hour ago. And so I'm like, oh, man. So I call into work and I say, hey, sorry, overslept. I'll be there in a few minutes. He's like, okay. I get there and he could tell that I probably had not many hours of sleep and I probably had a little too much to drink that night before. And he's like, I can't let you go on dispatch, Bob. I'm going to have to relieve you of duty. I'm like, oh. If you know anything about being relieved of duty, that's not a good thing. You don't have to really be in the Air Force to understand that that wasn't a good thing at that point in time. So here I am in the Air Force about two years, uh, young, married, with a kid, And now now I'm relieved of duty. I have no idea what my future is going to be like. Well, long story short, I ended up getting what is called an Article 15, and that's uh, punishment proceedings, the Air Force way. And I'm going into all of these different meetings with these supervisors and stuff, and they're going to determine my fate, basically, is what they're going to do. And I met with some of my leadership, and they were like, well, you know, you really haven't been a screw-up. You haven't really done a whole lot of things wrong, but, you know, I wasn't really a stellar performer either. I was just kind of a regular guy, you know, not really in trouble, but, you know, not really doing the great things. And so they looked at me, and and as I went through those proceedings, they were going to determine my fate, and a couple of my supervisors took me aside, and they said, you know what, we're going to give you another chance. We know that you have a lot of potential inside of you, and I didn't even know that, but they saw in me what I couldn't see and they said we know that you have a lot of potential inside of you and so what we're going to do is we're going to ask the commander to be lenient in this case and you're basically going to be on probation and if you can turn this thing around we feel that you got what it takes to make the Air Force a career and we're going to give you a second chance and I'm like thank you Lord and really what they were telling me is they saw a diamond in the rough where I, other people around, probably just saw a screw-up, saw this guy who couldn't show up for work on time and got a little too drunk the night before. But what my leadership saw was they saw a diamond in the rough, somebody that had potential. And it was, it was a turning point, obviously, for my life and my career at that point in time. And so I'm really thankful that I had some leadership that gave me a second chance when I probably didn't deserve it. But they saw something that I didn't even see. They saw potential. Well, maybe some of you don't relate exactly to that same story, but, but maybe you can relate to the fact that you recognize that in your life, you have some rough edges. 
maybe you would say that, you know what, I'm a diamond in the rough. Or maybe you would even just say, you know what, I'm a screw-up, and I know it, but I don't know, I just I guess keep on keeping on. Or has anybody felt maybe Jesus smoothing out those rough edges in your life as you've been walking with him? I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what role that you would associate with in those situations that I just talked about. But what we're going to see today is we're going to see Peter. We're going to take a look at him and we're going to see how Jesus saw a diamond in the rough and he massaged those rough edges off of Peter so that Peter eventually would become a world changer. He was a diamond in the rough. So we're going to start today with the same story that we started the Multiply Vision series with. So if you have been with us and you went through that whole series, this video that we're going to show is going to be very familiar because we showed part of it uh, in that first series as well. So go ahead and roll the video and then we're going to springboard off of that after the video is done. What a great video that is, and it's a great reminder for us, even though that we showed that you know, before the last series. We're going to take a look at it from a little bit different perspective. Now, the movie makers took a, a lot of liberty, and, and that's okay with me. I, I don't mind that. Um, but they really illuminated a couple really neat concepts here in this short scene. The first thing being the fact that Peter says, hey, you can't, you can't just come into my boat. And Jesus like, yeah, you're right. And so he lifts up his hand and he asks that, that Peter help him to get into the boat. And when I think about that, just that picture right there, Jesus really does the same thing with us. He just, he just doesn't jump into our boat. He's intentional about walking into our lives, entering into this personal relationship with us. He asks each one of us to invite him into our lives, regardless of where you're at, where we're at, the problems you have in your life, the situation, the sin that might be in your life. Jesus is purposeful about asking to come into our lives. He wants to come in and he wants to change us from the inside out. And when I think about that concept, I think back 23 some years when Gene and I first entered into this relationship with Jesus. And I remember that time, and, and you've heard parts of my story and Gene's story before, so I'm, I'm not going to tell the story over again. But basically, our life was in shambles in many respects. Our marriage was about to collapse, mostly due to my selfishness. We needed a redo in our lives. We needed Jesus to lift up his hand, and for us to ask him to come into our lives. And that's what he did, and that's what we did. We accepted that invitation and asked Jesus to come into our lives. And so that is a great scene from this movie, and, and it's got some great imagery there as to how Jesus interacts with us. God sent his son to wade out into the world to save the world, to save you and me from our sins. And, and he does that one person at a time. It's an individual thing that happens. Now, notice that Jesus didn't jump in the boat or he didn't walk on water and step into the boat. He asked to be let into the boat. 
He could have done all of those other things, but he didn't. And I like what Jesus said. Jesus said, Peter, just give me an hour and I will give you a whole new life. If you're taking notes with us, this is a fill in the blank here. Jesus saw in Peter what Peter couldn't see in himself. Jesus saw in Peter what Peter couldn't see in himself. And how did Peter reply to Jesus when he asked him that in the video? He said this, who says I want one? That wasn't very good English accent. Who says I want one? He He was full of fear and he was full of uncertainty at the time. That's basically what Peter's response was. Who says I want a new life? I tell you, there's no fish out there, is what Peter said again. And basically that says, Jesus, I just don't want you in my life. Just leave me alone now. Just go away. There's no fish out there. I've been out there all night fishing. Another excuse that Peter tried to use. But Jesus, this is important. Jesus didn't give up on Peter at that point in time when Peter pushed back. And Jesus doesn't give up on you either when you push back. Jesus doesn't give up on me when I push back. Jesus is there for us. And then the second thing that we learn here also is that we shouldn't give up on those that are around us, maybe those disciples that God has placed into our lives. Because remember, I said this is going to be twofold. This is going to be how Jesus interacts with me, and that's going to be how I interact with others. So Jesus doesn't push back, and neither should I, in those people that are in my life. Jesus was patient with Peter, and I'm glad that he's patient with me. And Peter then, the next question says, well, what are we going to do? Jesus simply said, we're going to change the world. And that's the same thing he offers to you and to me, is that we are going to change the world. As we get into this boat with Jesus, as we get in this relationship with him, we are a part of this message to be world changers. Now let's really go to the Bible and see actually what happened here. I just want to read a couple verses to you out of Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. And if you don't have a Bible with you here today, we have Bibles available at the counter back there. Just go ahead and get up and go grab one. If you don't have one at home, it's yours to keep. It's a gift from us to you. But Matthew 4.19 says this, Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. That's what it simply says. And so we see Peter and Andrew was also with him. So we see that Peter and Andrew were very decisive at this point in time. When Jesus had the call into their lives, they felt something, and I'm sure it was in the deep recesses of their heart, what they felt. And they knew that they needed to follow after this man named Jesus. But more importantly than that, I want you to pay close attention to what Jesus said. He said, I will show you how to fish for people. And so number one on your outline here, Jesus saw a fisher of people in Peter. He saw a missionary when everyone else saw an ordinary fisherman. Jesus saw a fisher of people or a missionary. And that's really important. And it's also important to note that Peter didn't hesitate to answer Jesus' call. 
He didn't pray about it for a month or two. He didn't go and talk to friends and family. He knew exactly when he heard the call, he felt it in his heart. He knew exactly what he needed to do and he didn't hesitate. So why did he immediately leave his nets to follow Jesus? Well, that brings us to our big idea today. Each week we try to come up with a big idea and here's today's big idea. Jesus saw in Peter what Peter couldn't see in himself. Jesus saw in Peter what Peter couldn't see in himself. Another way of saying that is basically Jesus cast vision into Peter's life way bigger than what Peter could see. He cast this vision into Peter's life. Now, keep in mind that Peter was married, and we don't have a whole lot of information on what happened. I believe that God took care of his family, but at this point in time, at this juncture, Peter and Andrew were providing for their families. And it was a big decision for them to make, a huge decision for them to make, to walk away from their business and to go and follow Jesus. Now, we do see a little bit the fact that Peter's wife was probably with him because in 1 Corinthians, it makes mention that some of the apostles had their wives with them. So you could assume that Peter's wife in particular, because it's called out in 1 Corinthians, was with him on most of his dealings and most of the things that were going on. So they were somewhat in ministry together, although we don't really hear a whole lot about her. But I believe that God fully took care of the families. Once the men said, I want to follow you, and they went after what Jesus was doing. And Jesus said to all of these men that were following him, From now on, you'll be fishing for people. From now on, you'll be on mission with me. From now on, what are you going to be doing? You're going to be multiplying. Not fish, but people, disciples. That's number one. Jesus saw a fisher of people when everyone else saw an ordinary fisherman. Now let's turn to another part of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. And we'll take a look at our second point this morning. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. But then he said, but who do you say I am? Well, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now, make mention here that the writer said Simon Peter answered, but Jesus said Simon, son of John, because that was what Peter's name was. Peter's name was Simon And his father's name was John. But look at what Jesus next calls him or says. Then he says, now I say to you that you are Peter. So Jesus just changed his name right there, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. 
I think that is significant, that in this conversation, that Peter has this revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. And this is the first time, at least recorded, that we know of that anybody had that realization in the group that Jesus was with. And at that point in time, he changed uh, Peter's name from Simon to Peter. Very significant. Number two, Jesus saw a rock when everyone else saw a screw-up. Jesus saw a rock when everyone else saw a screw-up. Now, if you've been around church any length of time, you've probably heard a few messages that Peter had a personality that was very brash. And he did. And he was very impetuous, and he did a lot of things that were just crazy. And one of those crazy things that he did is he actually stepped out of a boat and walked on water out to Jesus. We see this in Matthew 14. And he starts, and he's full of faith, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And what happens? He sees the storm, he sees the wind, he sees the waves. He takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he falls down into the water. He must have felt like a screw-up at that point in time. I mean, it only takes nanoseconds, right? But what did Jesus do? Jesus reached down once again into the water and he pulled Peter up and he pulled Peter out and he pulled Peter onto the boat. You know, everybody else in that boat was probably saying, yep, there goes Peter, screw up, out there walking on water and all of a sudden he's drowning. Jesus got to save him. But Jesus saw in Peter what Peter couldn't see in himself. Jesus saw a rock. Jesus saw somebody who could be a world changer because of his faith and his relationship with Jesus. So I don't look at that as a screw-up. I look at that as, as just another step in Peter's relationship with Jesus and another time where Jesus can really speak into Peter's life. Now, one of the most famous screw-ups takes place the night that Jesus was arrested. We see this in Luke chapter 22 and also in Mark chapter 14. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole story to you, but we, we see Jesus talking with Peter after they had their Passover meal together. And, and, and Jesus is like, Peter, um, you are going to deny me uh, before the crow or the, the rooster crows twice or three times before the next morning. And Peter's like, no way. There's no way I'm going to do that. I, am, I would go to prison for you. I would go to death for you, Jesus. There's no way. There is no way I'm going to do that. Jesus says, yes, yes, you are. And then what happens is that Jesus gets arrested and he gets taken. And you've probably seen some movie clips or, or something along the lines where Peter's kind of in the shadows and there's fires going around and, you know, people are warming themselves by the fire and in the t- by the temple and Jesus is being brought in and all this stuff. And then what happens? A couple people see Peter and they say, hey, aren't, aren't you the guy that was with Jesus? I s- I've seen you before walking with Jesus. He's, Peter's like, nope, absolutely not. It wasn't me. And then somebody else comes up and says, no, I'm sure of it. You were walking with Jesus. And he's a little more emphatic at that point in time. He's like, no, no way. It wasn't me. I have no idea what you're talking about. 
And then somebody else comes and says, no, I know for sure you were with Jesus. Well, then he gets a little more irritated and angry and he flies off the handle and he starts cussing at the guy. He says, no, I was not with Jesus. And at that moment in time, let's go ahead and go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 61, and we'll see what happens here. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Peter left that courtyard weeping bitterly. Now, a lot of times we talk about how Peter felt at that point in time, and that is significant. That is definitely significant. But let's think about how Jesus felt at that point in time. As he looks over and he catches the eye and he sees Peter, and now it's a knowing that, yes, you've just denied me three times. Jesus had just spent three years discipling Peter. How would you feel if you had spent and invested that much time into somebody and they gave up at crunch time? Jesus could have easily given up on Peter at that point in time, but he didn't. Because although that is a very dramatic part of the story, the rest of the story, like Paul Harvey would say, takes place in John 21. After the resurrection, Peter went back to fishing. He's doing what he, what he knows how to do. And what happens? Well, Jesus is on the beach there making him breakfast. Fish, you know, frying up some fish. And so G- Peter sees him recognizes that it's Jesus, he jumps out of his boat and he swims to shore. And we're going to pick it up at verse 15, John 21, 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. Once again, the writer is calling him Simon Peter. But what does Jesus say? Simon, son of John. Notice that he doesn't call him Peter now. He refers to him as Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter answered, you know I love you. Well, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And the third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time, Lord, you know everything, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Well, then feed my sheep. Number three in your notes, Jesus saw a shepherd when everyone else saw a deserter. Jesus saw a shepherd when everyone else saw a deserter. And now our English word for pastor actually comes from the Latin word shepherd. But finally, in verse 19, Jesus commands Peter to do something very significant. He says, follow me. Isn't it interesting that Jesus' first command to Peter, though some three years before that, was follow me. And now his last words to Peter came in the very same setting three years later. Peter, follow me. Feed my sheep. I think it's really significant um, couple things, but 
But one of the things I think about is that believing in Jesus isn't about wearing a t-shirt, wearing a cross around your neck, or maybe even sporting a bumper sticker. That's, that's pretending, not believing. Believing in Jesus means taking Jesus up on his offer to follow him. And he will make us fishers of people. It's about being a disciple that disciples others. That's what Jesus' message is all about. And I love how we, when we look at Peter, we see these three things that Jesus spoke into his life. Jesus saw a missionary. Jesus saw a rock. And Jesus saw a pastor. And you know what? Peter became exactly what Jesus saw. Peter became exactly what Jesus saw. And that's the power of vision. That's the power of speaking vision into people's lives. That's the important part of hearing that vision from Jesus as he speaks to me and as he speaks to you in your life. Peter became exactly what Jesus saw. So what's Jesus saying to you today? What vision has he given you? Have you even taken the time to listen to a vision that Jesus is trying to speak to your heart? What does Jesus see in you? I know for sure he doesn't see a screw-up. I know for sure that Jesus sees a diamond in the rough, and all he is waiting for is for you to ask him to come into your boat. You know, there's a verse in Revelation that says, Jesus stands at the door and knock, and those that come to the door open it up and ask Jesus in. He'll come in and he'll have dinner with you. And that's, so, that's just great imagery of what that means, and I'm not going to run down that road, but part of what that means is that Jesus wants to spend time with you. Jesus wants to enjoy a meal with you. Jesus wants to spend a lifetime with you. Are you going to open up that door? Are you going to invite him into your boat called life? Where are you at in this process? Let's bow in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much that as we see Peter, the disciple, and as we see how you interacted with him, it's an amazing, amazing thing that many people saw a screw-up, but you didn't. You saw a missionary. Many people saw someone that was wishy-washy, that was boastful, that was brash, that was even a deserter. But you saw a rock that you could build your church on. Many people just saw an ordinary fisherman, but you saw a pastor. You saw a shepherd. I thank you for that. But God, I know that you're, you're speaking to our hearts right now as well. And so maybe that's you. Maybe Jesus is asking you that question. 
Will you let me into the boat of your life? Will you open up that door that I'm knocking on and and ask me to come in so that I might spend a lifetime with you? Not just a meal, but a lifetime. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you have never asked Jesus into your life to share a meal with you. Or maybe, maybe you did many, many, many years ago and you've just decided to make your own way in life. But now today, this morning, you, you realize that Jesus is casting a vision into your life and he's calling you home. He's calling you back. Wherever you're at, in, in, in either situation, if that's you, would you raise your hand as we're bowed in his presence just for a moment? I just want to remember you in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. There's several of us today that, that want to make that commitment. Thank you very much. Father God, you've seen the hands raised here this morning. You know what each one of those hands represent. And I just say thank you that you are in the business of changing lives today. And so if that was you, if you raised your hand, or or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you want to agree with me in prayer this, pray this in your heart as I pray this over each one of us. Father God, I I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I, I acknowledge that he is the perfect sacrifice. And Jesus, I just say thank you. Now take my sins away as far as the east is from the west. I commit them to you and I know that I am forgiven now and I pray that you would help guide my future steps, change my life from the inside out. I want to serve you with everything that I have within me, but I know that it, I need your spirit to guide me. And so I make that commitment right now and I say, thank you, Lord, for changing my heart. Change my life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a hand clap for those that have made that commitment. That's a wonderful transformation now that either if that's the first time you said that prayer or maybe you've said it before and it's a reconnection. Mark that on your connection cards. We like to remember you in prayer. We like to pray for you. Those connection cards are great for us to stay in relationship with each other. If you have a prayer request, please mark it on your connection card. If you would like for somebody to agree with you in prayer after we're done with our teaching time, come grab a few of us. I know Lucas is is available to pray. Uh, Don and Barb can pray. Gene and I can pray. Dennis and Becky can pray. There's a bunch of us that would like to pray for you. So if you have a specific need, grab us after the teaching time and we'd like to agree with you in prayer. Well, I'm not going to leave us without some next steps, right? Because that's what we do around here is, is we do next steps. So on your notes, there's a few next steps that we have. And the first set is for disciple makers. Like I said, these messages are going to be twofold. So for you that are making disciples, cast a vision that's way bigger than your disciple can see for himself. Jesus saw in Peter what Peter couldn't see. As we work with people, as we develop disciples and develop leaders, we can speak that vision into their lives as well. So cast a vision 
that the disciple can't see for himself. And be patient with the screw-ups. Be patient with the screw-ups. I love Pastor Russ's wife, Chris, down in Bozeman. What she always says is that everybody gets a do-over here at Connect. Everybody gets a do-over here at Connect. And that's just not for Bozeman. That's for here in Great Falls as well. Everybody gets a do-over. So be patient with the screw-ups. And then the next, next steps are for disciples, obviously, which is each one of us. Be decisive about following Jesus, especially for you that have made that commitment this morning. Get involved in a connection group. Make sure you come back each week and listen to the messages and make relationships here at Connect. You can even, if you have to miss, listen to our podcast. Uh, but stay connected. Be decisive about following Jesus. And then number two, don't quit. Don't let your failures define your future. Going all the way back to that story was me being a young airman making that huge mistake. I didn't let that one mistake define who I was going to be. I got a do-over in the Air Force because of some leaders that saw potential inside of me. And Jesus is that leader for us in our lives. He sees the potential that's inside of you. So don't let your screw-ups or failures define your future. If you've been around here any length of time, you know at this point in time we pass the basket. So if you're on the end aisle, my right, your left, grab the basket, put in your connection card, put in your offering envelope, and then send it along, and there'll be some ushers that will grab those for you. Come back next week. We're going to be studying John the disciple. We're going to take a look at how Jesus spoke into his life. It was different than how he did it to Peter. So it's going to be a great study on John. But after you're done sending the baskets, go ahead and stand up. And and, uh, Ryan's going to lead us in a celebration song. Right, Ryan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.